The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. There's an old saying that you should never meet your heroes face to face. Perhaps the same is true of podcast partners. Well, we're going to find out. This is Totally Super. Hi, welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. But we're not reviewing a superhero movie today. Um, as a matter of fact, we're doing something totally different. Totally we're doing, different! We're doing something today that we haven't done back uh, since the days of Pop-Off, I think, when we were doing the Buffy podcast. Yeah. Uh, which is we are here together physically in the same room in the actually sharing breathing air right now. Yeah, right now. Um, and uh, I I wish you didn't have to. I didn't shower this morning. Um, that's all right. I lost my sense of smell three years ago. Oh, good. It's uh, have you found it yet? Turned out it was in the back of my car. Ah. Uh, what? How'd that happen? Um, he, Arthur lost many things in the back of my car. <laughs> uh, sorry. There we go. <laughs> we're just riffing today. No, today is uh, we're doing something a little different. And what we're doing different today is we are going to be reviewing all of the superhero news coming out of San Diego Comic Con um, and other sources in the last like week and a half. It has been a huge week for uh superhero news and arthur has what you've been doing for the last week that has put you in a hole where you've not gotten any geek news uh well same thing as uh the last time still working on directing that renaissance fair uh that little thing and uh so because of that with the exception of i think the new picard series and knowing a little bit about the new thor i know absolutely nothing that has come out of san diego comic-con so i guess this will be kind of like a and I guess it's the equivalent of an unboxing video. Yeah, it's, it is a little bit. This is this is the the equivalent of the end of the Maury Povich show where I'm like, and you're the father. <laughs> I um, have this. You know, what's going to be great about the fact that I'm sitting next to you doing this now is because you're going to have this thing that you're totally excited about. You're going to be like, and what do you think of that? And my reaction is going to be just like so lukewarm and I'm going to get to see the light in your eyes go out just a little bit. You know, the, the <laughs> thing I, is, the thing is about that is I'm, I'm not bothered by it. If I was going to be bothered at this point about light going out of my eyes, when I tell an excited joke and you do your deadpan thing where you go, Oh, at me, <laughs> um, you know, I, I would have, I would have bailed out. What, 16, That's true. This French would 16, never have lasted 16 years ago. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so uh, well, without further ado, uh, let's talk about a few things. Um, how how up are you on DC Comics? Uh, that is the so my understanding is that DC has finally released something similar to what Marvel did with Marvel Unlimited, uh, in which basically you pay a flat rate per month, and that gets you access to a lot of their back catalog. And if that is the case, I'm about to get a lot more up on DC Comics than I used to be. Well, if you want to save a little money, my understanding is also that with this service, they have many of their movies as well ah. as part of the same service. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't have to, you know, next time we we get down and dirty and I'm like, okay, time to do Superman 4. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to go, I'm totally fine with just watching this on the on the DC app. Mm -hmm. Um uh, did have you have you read any of the old classic DC stuff? Have you read like The Dark Knight Returns or any? Yeah, the uh, the Frank Miller uh, and uh, Alan Moore Batman stuff I did read a while right. back. So there was uh, there there was a something within the Batman universe. Um, or within the DC universe that when they wanted to do different versions of the same character, they did this in Marvel too, but somehow like, I don't, I really don't know how the Spider-Man comics work in Marvel to this day. I don't know how they work in Marvel. When I was growing up, 
there was Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and Web of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And they all happened concurrently. And sometimes they didn't have anything related to one another. They were just like totally different Spider-Man stories mm -hmm. happening in the same month. And you just sort of dealt with the fact that I guess they're both happening to Spider-Man at the same time. Yeah, I think it was all the same. It was the same universe Spider-Man that it was all happening to. Yeah, and they have tried in recent years to... to I know with the X-Men books that they largely try to keep them together although to be honest there are there are books that i've tried to read so, some of the x-men red and blue from from a ways back and while they are supposed to be happening at the same time somehow wolverines in both of them mm -hmm. and i don't understand well because well, that is actually wolverine's mutant power is not regeneration but the ability to be in multiple story arcs at once i know it's weird it's uh he's both dead and alive and adult and young and he is <laughs> schrodinger's wolverine <laughs> um so uh so there was the way DC used to do it is they developed the idea of a multiverse and they didn't originally develop an idea of a Oh, multiverse. is this the Crisis of Infinite Earths? Ha yeah, have you heard about this? I I've, I've heard of the title. All right, so the here's basically what they did is that they had um it started with Action Comics and then The Adventures of Superman. And eventually they decided at one point to go, okay, well, those were two different Supermen from two different Earths. And in one, he worked for a television instead of the Daily Planet. Oh. And there were slight differences between the two. And so they started doing that for all their popular titles. Batman had four titles and one of the Batman titles was in Earth 2. And the, and the idea was that you could follow pretty much two DC universes. Well, then that got more complicated when they, they would start saying, well, but there's this other Batman story that... The Dark Knight Returns storyline, for instance, does not take place in any Batman timeline that we know about. The Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. um, aspects of The Killing Joke carried forward after The Killing Joke came out. But that really is kind of a standalone storyline. It's a standalone, story and there are things from that that did not carry out forward. Yeah. There I mean, well, I, and, uh, I mean, one of the big things about The Killing Joke is at the end is it's uh, one of the big questions is it's entirely possible that the, that Batman actually kills the Joker at the yeah, end of that. Yeah. Um, and there are, are multiple origins for the Joker that they've told in the comics mm -hmm. not just the joker being an unre unreliable narrative but actually they show it mm -hmm. and then they show a different one and so they every time they did that they said well this is a little pocket universe here there's a little pocket universe there and they're popular things the most popular batman comic of all time doesn't take place in batman continuity yeah so so what they eventually did they got to this convoluted place in the 80s where there were like six different earths and six different storylines happening everywhere and they it wasn't very clear what was happening and all characters were overpowered superman could you know push planets and you know, mm -hmm. so it was decided that what they were going to do is create one cohesive dc universe and the way that they were going to do that is they had it in storyline that all the earths collided mm -hmm. and and whoever lived in these in these big like conflicts would end up being the one that continued forward. Mm -hmm. And this was called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, and after Crisis was done, then you just had everything going forward from that was sort of a like a, a conglomeration of what had happened before. And they course corrected. They depowered Superman a little, mm -hmm. which was, was a little bit of a factory reset. Yeah. Um, but a factory reset that happened. And I appreciate the effort to do this. It happened within it happened in universe. Mm -hmm. It's something that I appreciate from the Star Trek uh, reboot from 2009. Mm -hmm. that and it's it's what happened with Secret Wars, uh, the most recent Secret Wars with Marvel, too. Yeah. The idea they can do a factory reset, but the factory reset actually happened and there there's someone who remembers mm -hmm. the way it used to be yeah and so i i appreciate that so they did crisis on infinite earth 
Um, they've done it a few times in DC. They have the new 52 very recently. They've done, you know, they even had uh, a DC Marvel crisis at mm-hmm. one point that created, it was DC versus Marvel. And they created for like two months, amalgam comics. I, I, I've got to get my hands on those and yeah. read those. I hear like Wonder Woman picks up Mjolnir at some point. Oh yeah. And, and Batman is Wolverine and <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and Superman is also Captain America and it's, mm-hmm. it's great. It's nuts. It's yeah. awesome. Um, all that being said, uh, there is on television right now a se- uh, an interconnected DC universe that is probably pulling off the DC universe in the most effective way it has ever been done. And that is Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and the forthcoming Batwoman mm-hmm. uh, that's coming out. In addition to that, they've taken the old NBC show Constantine and brought Constantine Ah. into the Legends of Tomorrow. So Constantine was on NBC years ago. Mm -hmm. That was a long way back. Got canceled. And now that character, same actor, is on Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Mm -hmm. Um, And they every year they cross over a little bit. And the last time, last crossover they did, uh, this last year's crossover started with, of all people, um, John Wesley Shipp, who played The Flash in the 90s. Oh, wow. In his Flash costume. Now, that actor has been playing Barry Allen's dad on The Flash, mm-hmm. but he was Barry Allen from that universe. So are they, so the actual, are they actually infinite earthing the... This is, this is where I'm going. Yeah. This is where I'm going. Oh, wow. Um, they, uh, they had, Supergirl started on CBS. And so when Supergirl moved over to the CW, there was no, there was no Arrowverse in Supergirl's universe. Mm-hmm. Well, the Flash jumped multiverses and pulled Supergirl into their universe to do an adventure, and then she goes back home where they don't exist. But mm-hmm. they know each other; they just go through portals to see each other. Huh. Um, so, yeah, they are doing that, and they've mentioned other ones. Well, it came out at San Diego Comic Con. You're going to love this. That here's the, they are doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is Arrow's last season coming up, mm-hmm. um, and so they're doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. Here is the cast so far, from what I understand. Some of this is rumored. Some of this is confirmed. Uh, one, Brandon Routh, who is playing the Atom on Legends of Tomorrow, but also famously played Superman in Superman Returns. Oh, wow. Yeah, is coming back as Superman in this. Not only that, Linda Carter. (laughs) This I did think I see. Linda Carter is returning as Wonder Woman. Is returning as Wonder Woman. Not only that, Burt Ward from the (laughs) Adam West TV show is coming back. Um, they also have their own Superman who's going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Not only that, my understanding is John Wesley Ship from the 90s Flash mm-hmm. is also going to be in it. Not only that, but my understanding is that Tom Welling from Smallville. I was going to say, they've got to bring someone in from um, Smallville. And also Lex Luthor from, mm-hmm. from Smallville is on their way. I've heard that they're talking to Dean Cain uh, from, from Lois the and Adventures Clark, of Lois and Clark. From the Adventures of Lois and Clark. That they're trying to get someone from the current DC Extended Universe movies to come be in it to represent that. But the idea that they're saying is if you have ever watched watched filmed DC entertainment. That was part of the DC multiverse. That was part of the DC multiverse. I would imagine that they're talking to people from the the recently uh, from Gotham, which is off the air now. Mm-hmm. Um, Titans is its own thing and has nothing to do with these, this universe. I imagine they're trying to grab someone from that. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is they are trying to pull from anywhere they can pull that has ever been to just say everything you've ever watched was wow. real. Was, was, was actually part, part of, of something. And given the right sci-fi contrivance. Yeah. I actually, I really like that idea. That's uh, what's well, funny. We were just, before we started, we were just talking about this because you were showing me the uh, trailer for the new uh, Jay and Silent Bob film. It's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, the previous Jay and Silent Bob film, uh, I, I don't know if I would have called it necessarily a, you know, a phenomenal piece of cinema. Um, however, I do remember watching it in the theater and leaving 
with a phrase bouncing around in my head, uh, and that phrase is celebrational postmodernism. Uh, postmodernism is a, it's an artistic, I don't know, genre, I guess, but it's this idea of taking a whole bunch of different elements from different genres or different things and sort of throwing them all together into a mix. Uh, frequently... Like ninjas and zombies. Like ninjas example. and zombies, for example, yeah. Now, frequently, postmodernism is used to sort of dissect these things and sort of pick them apart. Uh, it's used as a form of criticism sometimes. Uh, but there's this other side of it that Jane Silent Bob really captured. And to me, the moment was when uh, they revealed like the villain of the movie, and it's basically Mark Hamill, who at this point no one had heard of for years. Uh, when suddenly he bursts through the wall and then it actually says on the screen, hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Applause. To me, that is the heart of celebrational postmodernism. It's it's something it's we're going to take all of these things from different thing from different uh, genres, but it's wrapped up in nostalgia and we're throwing them together, not to necessarily tear any of them apart, but really for no other reason than just saying, hey, remember this? Wasn't this cool? And how about this other thing over here? That was cool too. And it sounds very much like that's what DC is doing. First, it's a cool storyline idea uh, that has been well proven both in the comics uh, and in film sometimes. But also I get the sense that it's the studio saying, like I can imagine them saying, okay, well, we're going to combine all of the current shows that we've got, make that all into one universe. But I would have loved to be in the pitch room when somebody actually said, you know, since we're just combining these, I mean, why don't we pull in some of the other ones? Like, shoot, we've got the guy who played Flash in the 90s. He's even on our payroll still. Why don't we bring him in? And I want to know who the guy is who said, let's go get Burt Ward. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. At some point, you no, know, because you know that happened about, like, people, yeah, I can get, like, it's people at first were like, no, I don't think that, w well, well, no, that could work. Yeah, oh my gosh, we could get Linda Carter. And then somebody, and then somebody, as the excitement is building, somebody steps in and is like, guys, we could totally get Burt Ward. And I know. Well, that's and everybody in, the, everybody in the room just going, oh. Well, this, this is how it's playing out in my head. There's something to be said for the for the joy of doing it because you can do it. You know what I mean? There's something to be said for. Uh, I'm thinking back to the moment when we see Harrison Ford flying the Millennium Falcon mm -hmm. in The Force Awakens for that last time, and I think to myself, "This is the last time I'm ever going to see this. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, this is it for this. This yeah. is, I'm not going to ever get this again." And there are these moments where you just go. You're, or like the end of Avengers Endgame when everybody mm -hmm. shows up. Like in the rest of the Marvel Universe, you're never going to see that moment again. Yeah. They, they will do multiple things. They will have team ups. You know, we already know I mean, the, the very next movie had Nick Fury meeting with Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Every Marvel movie that comes out from this point forward is going to have someone else from some different Marvel movie. They just mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that coming up. Um but you're never going to have this moment of, hey, let's just do this. Mm -hmm. Let's just get this done. Literally everyone that we've put on film before, let's just put them in one scene. And I think that, you know, whether or not it ends up being good or bloated or they're not able, you know, you'll find yourself going, oh, gosh, they look kind of old. You know, and I'm sure that's going to be part of it. You just, gonna, you mm -hmm. just go, you know what? These guys aren't going to be together forever or be around forever. And the idea that, that I'm going to be able to see in my lifetime. You know, it's how I feel about the Jane and Silent Bob Strike uh, reboot trailer. Yeah. I just watched it. I was like, oh, there's that's Matt Damon. And he's still wearing his outfit from Dogma mm -hmm. in that in that movie. And look, there's like all, all the characters that I know and love. They're all together. Somehow or another, the stars aligned in a way that nobody ever thought they could again. Yeah. Like the universe was gone. When I heard Jane Silent Bob reboot, I was like, oh, he's going to get a whole bunch of new cameos that are relevant now. Mm -hmm. But there's no way he gets those guys back together. And instead, I'm like, no, you're getting all those guys back together. And and that is it can be called pandering there. So let me 
ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What did you think of the movie version of Ready Player One? I have not seen Ready Player One yet. The I very much enjoyed the. I'm blinking. I'm doing. I'm literally doing big blinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go. So so it's not so much that the light is going out in your eyes right now. It's just confusion. It's confusing. Um, yeah. I I, I I. It's one of those. I loved the book. I mean, I, as soon as I heard about the book, I went and read it, and it was great. Uh, I. That's it. The thing is, there's so much geek stuff out there that I have to choose from time to time. But here's my way of thinking about it. We are in your home right now, and you've just given me your tour of it, and it's a lovely place. Uh, I will refrain from giving, you know, like the address and everything out on the air, because, you know... 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. (laughs) Um... But uh, I'm not that guy. Not that guy. <laughs> except <laughs> except the, o- the other 1600 the Pennsylvania it's Avenue. In, 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 in the other universe. In Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Northwest. I actually think it is in Northwest. It's Northeast. Sorry. So anyway, I'm sorry. How would you like to be the person who has, the, because DC is built up into four quadrants and sometimes the Southwest, Northeast, <laughs> like that's good. Is there a 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, like, southeast? Like, how'd you like to be the guy who lives there? I'm the other guy. Yeah. Uh, Regardless. So, downstairs... And your name is Ronald Obama? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, whoa! Whoa. Um, So, downstairs, uh, in your rec room, you've got an old arcade cabinet uh, that's got a lot of those old games uh, that we remember playing in the actual arcade when we were growing up. I remember the first time that I played like Street Fighter 2 in the arcade. Oh, I, yeah. I got so into it and everything. The If I came across, you know, I, I can absolutely see a situation in which somebody who loved that, you know, would then say, you know what? I'm an adult now with a certain amount of expendable income. I'm going to get a arcade cabinet or shoot, even the, the little, the new Super Nintendo minis that you can get that just plug directly into the TV. I've got one of those. All of those are, it's a celebration celebration of, oh my gosh, I never thought I would be able to, when I was a kid playing this, I specifically remember thinking, gosh, when I become a grown-up and have money, I'm just going to buy a ton of these and just buy all these video games and all these things. And it's kind of nice to be a grown-up and realize I can't buy all the games, but I can certainly buy some of them, especially things that specifically harken back to how I felt as a kid. Now, when I go back and play Super Street Fighter 2 on, you know, the little Super Nintendo Mini, I don't have as much fun as I did when I played it back then. That's, That's impossible. If you play Super Metroid, you'll totally have as much fun. Yeah, the, great uh, game, but, but, uh, but that's the... So, like, I don't get the... It doesn't bring me back to the same level, but that's also not my expectation. What I'm playing it for is not so much that, oh my gosh, I want this to take me away to a whole new world like it used to. It's more for that nostalgic sense of, yeah, this was great. And that's what I get this sense of, you know, of course, you know, Linda Carter is Wonder Woman and Burt Ward is Robin. It's not going to be remotely the same as it used to be. But it is a... It's a nod. It harkens back to those old feelings and that's valuable too so i will i will add a caveat to that for five minutes it will be 10 times better than you ever had playing it originally it will be for for the first five minutes of it it will be you will you never i've seen some of the old linda carter show it's okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um this is going to be way better than that Mm -hmm. for the first five minutes you will never have enjoyed seeing linda carter more than Mm -hmm. you will for the first five minutes of this after five minutes has passed i believe everything you've said just now is true yeah but for the first five minutes you're just going to be like oh my gosh you know what this is probably most like is uh so going with another video game reference uh the final fantasy series which is hailed as like one of the greatest series of role-playing games that have ever been made uh my high school years are defined i milestones 
of my growing up were based on when Final Fantasy 2 dropped, when Final Fantasy 3 dropped, when Final Fantasy 7 dropped, because they went back from the American numbering system back to the original Japanese system, because there were five Final Fantasies that were never released in America until later. But I digress. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 was considered, like, the big one. Uh, the villain in that is hailed as possibly one of the best villains in video game history. Uh, and it came out for the original PlayStation in college. Uh, Squaresoft, the company that made that game for years, has been teasing the concept of, we might remake it. And just over the past few months, they've started dropping more and more trailers and things of Final Fantasy 7 being remade only now with PlayStation 4 technology. So I think what you're saying there about what they're able to do now versus what they could do then, it is entirely possible that for Final Fantasy 7, when I play it again, because of course I'm going to, uh, that there will be elements of it that will be even better than they were the first time around. There's that's that's half of what I'm saying. The other half of what I'm saying is the um the high school reunion aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a high school reunion, a mini high school reunion for the theater group that I was with in high school. And in that reunion, uh, going to that reunion, my friend Brett, uh, who I was always excited to see, uh, came with me. But everyone else that I saw at that reunion was someone that I didn't really know or get along with all that well in high school. I, we barely knew each other, but I, we acted in shows together. I was just not part of their crowd for mm-hmm. the most of them. I had more fun with those people. Hmm. At that reunion, because I got to see them, but now they're adults and I got to see what happened to them. And I got to see, Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen them in 20 years and just being in their presence, breathing the same air as them again was like holy crap i can't like you there's a moment of i can't believe i'm doing this. there's a surrealness to it yeah this is a now after a while that faded and i was like oh i do kind of like these people i like them more now than i used to mm-hmm. but i have a family at home too and i you know after a while i was kind of done i was like okay i did that yeah and come five years from now i'd love to do it again mm-hmm. so you go you talk about this the street fighter 2 aspect you had what if your know, street fighter 2 has been ubiquitous for since its release there mm-hmm. it's always been there but what if street fighter went completely away Way. Mm-hmm. And then you got to play Street Fighter 2 for the first time on the SNES when it came out. Ah, um, yeah. For the first five minutes, you will be more overjoyed playing that game. Because even, you never thought you'd play it again. You're doing it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And then after five minutes, you're like, oh, there's a reason why I stopped playing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I think that 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 element is is really it's an interesting element to me. But um, I I can't believe they're doing this, and and I would wonder. I assume you will never find your find time in your life to go back and rewatch the Arrowverse. Um, I might. I Who mean, it's, it's it would it's be, a lot. It would be it would be a lot. And there's so much new stuff coming out. That something tells me that if you haven't gotten to it. I don't see you sitting down and watching all of Arrow. All how of many Flash. seasons of Arrow are there? Seven. I've like because I've watched the first two seasons of Flash when it came out. All right, but so you know, I'm I'm a little bit of the way there. Oh yeah, no, it's it. You only have with Legends, you only have like twenty seasons to go. Mm-hmm. You'll get there. So okay. Um, while we were talking, I did a little look up here. Uh, Marvel has released its Phase Four slate. Now we talked before about what the phases are. So if you're mm-hmm. listening to this, first of all, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't understand the Marvel phases. I, I want to say something mean. Uh, no, no. Nope. You know what? Let me step in here. Go, no, 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 no. I just want to encourage you. You know, probably this is not the best first episode of us to listen to. Or maybe it is. Maybe this is the, this is like, you know what? When I first had Indian food, I didn't know what to order. It was all unfamiliar. So I went to an Indian buffet mm-hmm. and I very quickly said, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. So now I can go to the more I can get things single serving. But, but you'd got it by testing everything. Yeah. So here you are. You're getting our thoughts on kind of everything 
everything at yeah, once. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess certainly this is an episode that will show you whether or not you like our personalities or think we're raging a-holes. Yeah, so, so that's I, an impo- and that's an important distinction for you to make personally as and, a listener. And I get that you think that Arthur's nice and I'm kind of a, a, a loudmouth blowhard, but you know. <laughs> Eat my shorts. Um, so this is the slate coming out for Phase Four. The first thing that Phase Four has going for it that no other Marvel phase has had before is that officially Phase Four includes television. Ooh. So whereas Agents of Shield, which is now going off the air um, after this upcoming season, was considered a spinoff of the Marvel universe, whereas mm-hmm. the Marvel Netflix shows were supposed to have taken place within that universe, but they weren't truly a spinoff of that universe. They yeah. were just sort of other stories to mm-hmm. um, that eventually ignored that that universe. This is uh, going to be, according to Kevin Feige, who runs Marvel, this is going to be required viewing. Things will change in the Marvel universe the way they do in the movies, mm-hmm. but they'll change on the shows too. That's a bold choice. It is a bold choice. Well, keep in mind, Disney Plus... Um, and I don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Uh, sometimes it feeds you. Um, Disney Plus is uh, is slated to be Disney's biggest moneymaker ever. It's worth noting that if you look at a movie like, um, look at a, I mean, Endgame is not fair. So let's look at Spider-Man, which is just made a billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And Disney gets to keep a quarter of that, right? Half of that goes to studios and Disney splits with Sony. So Disney gets to keep $250 million. So for a big movie like Spider-Man, which Disney only does twice a year, they make about a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney Plus, they're thinking like half of the world... <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're going to have subscribers to Disney Plus. I would be surprised if they don't get a, a billion subscribers to Disney Plus. They're calling it, it the Netflix killer. It will be very interesting to see how that goes because the I remember hearing that uh, when because I think Disney now owns a majority share of uh, Hulu as Correct. well. Yeah, because it it was Disney owned a third and Fox owned a third. Now that Disney owns Fox, Disney has two thirds. Yeah, I'll be honest with this. This is look. Disney has done great with the properties. When Disney bought Marvel and when Disney bought LucasArts, it has done amazing and wonderful things with those uh, with those intellectual properties. Disney also has a very strong track record of not letting other people play with its toys for literally centuries. I am concerned about how big Disney is getting in terms of telling the stories that achieve almost folklore status for us. It was one thing when we had, you know, we were resting, we were referencing Disney princesses, but then we also had Star Wars characters. Like as a kid growing up, you could have these stories that came from a whole bunch of different sources. And now that all of those sources are centered in just one thing, uh, it's you know, it's kind of similar to government. It's like if you that's great that it's a benevolent dictatorship, but dictatorships in principle are not good things. I I see what you're saying. Um, I like to think of Disney as the curator of old ideas. Uh, yes, they have Star Wars, but Star Wars is old. And yes, they have Marvel, but Marvel is old. And eventually, maybe if you get big enough and important enough, Disney will want to buy you too. Um, but there's not a lot of new ideas coming out of Disney. Mm-hmm. And there are new ideas that do, they don't make the money that Disney ideas make. But there's, you know, they are, you know, Game of Thrones being a great example where where something comes up with something. Well, maybe eventually Disney will buy Game of Thrones. and There'll be a version, mm-hmm. you know, the, the PG version of Game of Thrones. It will be one season um, that you will have this. The world produces and then Disney curates once the once it's no longer as profitable as it used to be. It's worth noting Disney bought Star Wars when Star Wars was on a downswing. Disney mm-hmm. bought Marvel when Marvel was on a downswing. Once they had had their first heyday and 
and then we're fading out. Marvel sees the potential potential in fading things mm-hmm. and builds them back up. So I am not as worried about it. Yes, they are ruling the marketplace, but you know, when a new Harry Potter movie comes out, when Amazon puts out the new Lord of the Rings, when mm-hmm. there are enough co- competitors out there to say nothing of incredible independent films that are out there all the time even you know if you look at this last weekend at the time of this recording once upon a time in hollywood by by quentin tarantino he just went out and made the movie he wanted to make mm-hmm. so there are still voices out there to yeah do there's it, actually but... there's a question and you certainly you've got a better idea of the pulse of the hollywood industry right now uh when youtube became a thing and since the whole rise of the internet the idea was hey there are no longer the gatekeepers to producing content that there used to be and this is going to result in a marketplace of ideas where the ideas come from way more sources interestingly we've seen a lot of conglomeration in that time you know disney's got a lot of the studios not just in not just a conglomeration of the ideas themselves but in the methods of delivery uh you know rather than now a rather than having a whole bunch of different cable channels that people choose from it's nope you've got netflix hulu amazon video uh, those are the big three right now. And then, you know, adding Disney Plus with this. In your opinion, do you feel that since all of this has happened in the past 20 years or so, are we seeing more? Is it a more fertile breeding ground for independent ideas? Uh, or is there actually more sort of corporate takeover? That is a fascinating question. A question I am uh, very acquainted with uh, in that I am a content producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it depends on your scale and your scope and your expectations is the best that I can say and your length um, uh, in that if you are a, a YouTuber for instance and you are putting out five minute videos you're putting out gaming videos um, it's there is a formula by which people learn how to get a million views and based on getting a million views with well, the way that you people get paid on YouTube is once you get a certain amount of views, certain like tens of thousands of views, YouTube will say, okay, well now you get a, a, a tenth of a penny for every view that you get. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a thousand views, you get a dollar, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 10,000 views is $10, a hundred thousand views. By the time you get to 20 million views, which people are getting, mm-hmm. you know, people are putting out videos, spending a hundred dollars to make a video. And those hundred dollars they're spending to make a video is pulling them in um, you know, five, $6,000 every time they do it. Mm-hmm. There's a, a really funny series called uh, Help Helen Smash. It's it's really it's gross it's it's potty humor but mm-hmm. it's it's funny and she puts one out every you know two or three every month or the honest movie trailers for instance mm-hmm. and they get they spend not that much on it yeah uh, they they pay for a little bit of talent tens and some, of millions of views yeah and they get tens of millions of views and those those tens of millions of views each one of those probably pulls them you know twenty thirty thousand dollars well they put in you know they do twenty of those a year and they're they're pe- pretty good paycheck yeah people are cracking out a paycheck so in terms of being able to produce stuff like that. Um, in terms of features, it becomes much harder. Um, the marketplace is completely saturated when it comes to feature films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not impossible. My very good friend, uh, Seth Polanski, and his wife, Kelly Slagle, made a documentary called The Art of Dungeons & Dragons, Eye of the Beholder. Um, it is now number 20 on iTunes. Oh, wow. And it is like number one in documentaries on iTunes. And I mean, this is a guy who lives locally to here. He uh, did the sound for Ninjas versus Monsters. This is a guy who I saw an early cut of the movie and got to give notes on it. So, so like, oh, this wow. is, and it is just, it's blowing up the charts. And he just, you know, essentially he got a hold of the people, brought a camera, shot him. You know, he had a budget for travel and for making it look good. And mm-hmm. and, and he got a good sound budget, but he didn't spend more than twenty thirty thousand $30,000. And he's definitely going to make his money back, if not considerably more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, so that is, you look at things like that when it comes to, to produced feature stuff. 
stuff, it is possible to make money. But when you get past that super micro budget level where one, you have spent less than $100,000 mm-hmm. and two, your expectation is to make less than $200,000. Yeah. Once you get to the, okay, well, we're going to spend a million, which is nothing in feature film terms. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to spend a million dollars and our hope is to get 5 million or 10 million or 20 million or the days of the 80s where you had, you know, like Kickboxer, these films that cost $6 million to make, but pull in, mm-hmm. you know, um, that occasionally happens, and because it does occasionally happen, people keep doing that, putting out horror movies that cost five, six million. Oh, it's the Lion Gate Studio, yeah. Model. Um, and occasionally you get a, a a Get Out or something like that where it does pay off. But there are a ton where they do that, and they even try a theatrical release, and nothing ever happens mm-hmm. because unless you have an, a pre-established IP, you're not getting, you're not moving forward anywhere. So the mm-hmm. the conglomeration of ideas and super, like the idea that. That to get and it's I'll be honest to get me to the theater I love Tarantino it might be even hard to get me to the theater to see this new Tarantino film because I'm like Tarantino theme films play pretty well at home mm-hmm. that might work yeah. and they're like by the time you pay the money for it so on one hand we're having the slowest summer in history mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the, or not in history but like the biggest downturn from one summer to the next in history mm-hmm. at the box office on the other hand Disney has already as of this week had the most ticket sales of any movie studio in history and it's, in some in a summer no for the year oh wow and we're in July mm-hmm. we haven't even gotten to Frozen 2 or Star Wars Jeez. Uh, which is coming so like on one hand the box office is way 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 down on the other hand all the money the box office made is going to, to one Disney. place yeah. yeah so that is sort of where we are that being said I'm super excited <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, I mean as a consumer all, you know all my philosophical misgivings aside I'm just like sweet more Star Wars and superheroes okay so here here are the releases that you have you have starting out uh, here's the order in um in May 1st, 2020, Black Widow. Interesting. I'm sure, you know, of course, the first question on everyone's mind is, how are they going to do that? Yes. Um, of fall 2020 on Disney Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Nice making that a TV film, the TV show. That makes sense. November, November 6, 2020, The Eternals. I know nothing about this. Jeez, Eter- that's a deep cut. Yeah. I mean, most comic people, like I just stumbled across it, you know, on Marvel on, on Marvel Unlimited. That is, uh, you know, that's, yeah. That, it had like it, six, it, six issues. Yeah, it's it is, and they were they were weird six issues too that did not feel like Marvel. Uh, February twelfth, twenty twenty one, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, so they're finally going to bring in uh, the, the actual re- Mandarin. The real Mandarin, yes. Yeah. And Shang Chi was called Master of Kung Fu back in in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring twenty twenty one, WandaVision, which is. Vision of the Scarlet Witch, but it's called WandaVision. WandaVision. It tells me it's got to have something to do with TV. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, WandaVision. And it does have vision and it does have... the. Um, mm-hmm. And then immediately following that, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Awesome. The word multiverse... And they say there's going to have a horror element to it. Yeah, I mean, because that's the, what Doctor Strange's multiverse in the comics is very different than the the multiverse we think of. Like Doctor Strange, his whole job as the Sorcerer Supreme is to protect Earth from all of the creepy, creepy other dimensions that are out there. Uh, so in that, that sense, when you say multiverse for Doctor Strange, I am not seeing Doctor Strange basically going through a whole bunch of other universes that look like ours, but instead like delving some weird, like Lovecraftian uh, alternate dimensions. 
I would respond by saying this. Uh, the last, before, the last, the Spider-Man movie from December had a multiverse. The current Spider-Man movie in theaters right now had a fake out, but had talk of, mm-hmm. of a multiverse. Now you have a movie with the word multiverse in the title. I feel like I'm being um, prepared mm. for a thing. That's possible, yeah. Uh, like, and maybe that's the way they bring in the X-Men um, because... Oh, yeah, because they might, they because they're going to want to do that. Uh, in spring of 2021 on Disney+, Plus, Loki. Right, which... As uh, a TV show. That's going to be interesting. I remember uh, somebody, I think the best way I've heard that described so far is, you know, it's Loki. He's traveling around, meeting people, doing stuff. He's kind of like Doctor Who if the Doctor were a, were a massive a-hole. Yeah, I know. I, again, keep in mind, this is the bad Loki. This is not, mm-hmm. this is Loki. This is not reformed Loki. This yeah. Is, yeah. This is a Loki who the most recent thing he tried to do is invade Earth. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gone through any of the other things since Well, that, that'll give him an arc. Summer 2021, an animated Disney Plus show. You're going to love this. What If. Ooh. Did you read the What If comics? I did read the What If comics. Yeah. That's um, neat. And it's going to be. Yeah, that's true because there's enough. There is now more than enough film and TV content out there that they can What If. And that's going to be animated, you said? Yes. Oh, that's that's how they get around the fact that. You can't get Robert Downey you Jr. You can't though. get Robert Downey Jr. to do a What If Iron Man, you know, did this. But you can when it's animated. Uh, fall 2021, Hawkeye on, hmm. di- on Disney Plus plus like another tv show yes yeah that's all, all of these the hawkeye the falcon winter soldier those all strike me as fertile ground for tv show stuff not so much for a feature film and then november 2021 love and thunder thor yes which has features the return of jane foster as a female thor as lady thor now here is here are the decidedly missing movies from this list a third spider-man movie mm-hmm. it's not on here uh there is no guardians of the galaxy volume three mm-hmm. in this list and there's no Avengers movie in There's this list. The also first no Black Panther. The fir- oh, interesting too. That's very interesting. You'd think that there would be one. I, I haven't they been filming Black Panther two already? From what I heard, I'm not sure. That that would be interesting to find out, but it's not on here either. Yeah. Um. And no Avengers is a big deal. It's the first phase that did not have an Avengers. I understand. I, mean, I understand why they don't. That one kind of makes sense to me because I I feel like the Avengers con the the concept of the Avengers period has really been like. You, you took it about as far as you could go with Endgame. But there is no major team-up movie, which is, you know, that that has always been the culmination of the phases. Mm-hmm. And now there is no major team-up movie among the phases. Of I'm the okay movie. with that because it's, it's showing that Marvel is their going to go with something instead of just trying to recreate phase three in a different way it's like no we're going to just try different kinds of storytelling and go in a different direction so in the for the sake of time um i'm going to just take a, a minute for each of these and talk about the and talk about our thoughts on what it could or could not be mm-hmm. um and so uh on trek off alexi and i have a have a game we call five minutes go mm-hmm. so i'm going to call this three minutes go i've done a lot of the talking and I'll do some responding. I'm going to I'm going to ping it to you. Uh, and my question for you is: So, just thoughts off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, biggest improvised thoughts. Yeah, here All we right. Go. Biggest qu- biggest questions, and it's always going to be biggest questions and or comments or thoughts on the movie Black Widow. Biggest question, obviously, is is it going to be a prequel uh, or are they somehow bringing Natasha Romanoff back from being killed by the Soul Gem after spending an arguably inordinate amount of time in Endgame saying, oh no, there's no way she can be brought back. 
I love the fact that they're making one. It's, I guess, better late than never. Uh, she has always been someone who deserved her own film. Uh, and I'm very glad to hear that that one is being made. Uh, obviously, the genre that comes to mind immediately is something very, you know, spy thriller-ish. So it would have a feel kind of similar to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, and I'm done. Okay, so the answers that I can give you is that they're saying that is a prequel that takes place between Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron, I think. Hmm. Um, I think that if that's true, it's a terrible idea that they've timed it terribly. I fear that it's going to crash and burn the way that Solo crashed and burned because there's something psychological about having just... We've had closure now. We've just watched her phase. die. Yeah. And and watching another movie, knowing that that's going to be her final... It is a weird story effect, uh, now that you mention that. Yeah, because Solo did happen in about the same length yeah, of time. It, so my... My hope is that somehow they manage to bring her back, but she, but there's a cost mm-hmm. or something to her being brought back and could be the beginning of what is, I hope, the Dark Avengers. Now, you could have a movie that takes place practically exclusively within the Soul Gem, which is sort of just like visiting all of it. Now, this, I'm not saying this is what that movie is going to be. I'm just sort of spitballing off the top of my head, uh, which is her going through her entire life history, you know, at key moments in her life and somehow, you know, having to do something that helps her escape the soul gem that way Uh, because in the comics certainly there have been people trapped in the soul gem who have then gotten out of it but the soul gem has always been sort of a reflection the the world that they find themselves in is a reflection of their own essence yeah and there's there's some fertile breeding ground for uh for storytelling in that i always say moving forward is better than moving back agreed disney plus is the falcon and the winter soldier um, I'm going to, uh, for the sake of this one, show you this image, which is a shot of the logo. I want you to notice the presence of Captain America's shield between the two of them. Comments or questions about this, I think, six to ten episode show. So neither the Falcon or the Winter Soldier are characters that I had a particular interest in. Uh, nothing against the actors who played them, but I also was not particularly you know, blown away by their, their performances were fine. Uh, so I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a story that I'm I'm going to be that involved with. Uh, I do know that once Steve Rogers was killed in the comics, it really did become a thing between uh, Bucky and the Falcon as to who was the official Captain America. Uh, What's interesting to me is that a lot of the themes in the comics are about both of the characters wrestling with the fact that they are not the Captain America that Steve Rogers was. They probably never will be, and they know it. And what you do in that sort of situation, uh, which now is leading me to think it would be really cool to see a story specifically highlighting a character who knows that, oh no, I am always going to be second best. Like, once somebody picks up that shield, no matter what they do with it from then on out, they have to know, I will never achieve achieve uh, in people's minds what Steve Rogers did with it, but I might achieve something anyway. Uh, And especially in today's day and age where there's a lot of emphasis put on, you know, you've got to be at the very top, second place is the first loser, all of that stuff. I think it would be really cool to have a story about someone who achieves not quite as much, but because they achieve a lot, that is still something to be commended for. Um, The thing that strikes me about it is Black Widow is a spy Marvel thing. It's going to be followed almost immediately uh, three three months later with another spy Marvel thing. Mm. Um, And it's an interesting one-two punch of having those two next to each other. The thing I like best about the idea, I I do agree with you about the idea of them feuding somewhat. I think they're not, I don't think they're going to be petty about it, but them. Mm -hmm. There's a Rivalry, yeah, the, the rivalry uh, regarding uh, who is Captain America 
It also strikes me as you're also talking about the future of S.H.I.E.L.D., the future of the Avengers, mm-hmm. the future of the MCU. This is the first bit of that moving forward. Like, like you're going to see necessarily the infrastructure of what's happening on the you know big government agency side of the superhero universe. Here's a question which was for a huge you. Part of phase which is one now, which, yeah, which is what I'm thinking of. So phase one, phase two, uh, to what degree did all that thriller, you know, pseudo political, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. government agency storylines, to what degree did those... Uh, further your enjoyment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far like was your favorite part of them the thriller and you know the thriller and spy stuff was it you know yeah this is fine but I'm here for the big you know battles with people in iron suits uh, I guess my question is, how much should Marvel focus on, you know, political thriller? Um, I, I mean, prior to the the Spider-Man movies and maybe the most recent Avengers movies, Captain America, the Winter Soldier was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved that. I love something that grounded it in reality. I feel like I love the, the Guardians films and stuff, but the crazier and more out there it gets, the more I want to feel... You know, I like that Thor Ragnarok has a has a Quinjet in it. Mm-hmm. It goes, yes, it is still in the quote unquote real version mm-hmm. of this universe. Um, I don't need that need it there a lot, but I do need to see some scaffolding um, when mm. it comes to what they're setting up next to know how are these heroes relating in the real world because right now they're just all off doing whatever crazy adventures they want mm-hmm. and i like the idea of it of of it rooting back into the quote-unquote i mean the government mm-hmm. agency with giant helicarriers so it's yeah. not that real <laughs> but um um and then we do get weird eternals i have not read the eternals you have i actually remember very little about it uh other than the fact that it does not feel like a superhero uh storyline it's I might, I might be misremembering but i think it, it's just odd I can't even remember much of the plot, to be honest. I'm now either that is a really stupid idea or a brilliant idea in the fact that they're taking something that people don't know and like they have to know. Very few people know the Eternals. So maybe there's some writer there who is like, you know what? I see something in this that I could do something really interesting with. If they're trying to recreate the storyline of whatever the Eternals was about, I don't think they're going to succeed because, like I said, I just read the Eternals within the past year and I do not remember practically anything about it other than like i said weird but if he's using if or uh if uh the uh if whoever's got control of it is using it as a jumping off point kevin feige is kevin feige yeah uh, if he's using it as jumping off point for other stuff then who knows i think it's a giant risk um the biggest risk since guardians of the galaxy um and even then guardians that's a good comparison guardians of the galaxy had this cool attitude going for it. Mm-hmm. The Eternals can't just ape that attitude. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok, for all its for all its loveliness, apes that attitude a little tiny it's bit. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy film. Um uh so this movie it's called The Eternals. You know, even characters that maybe you hadn't heard of, Ant-Man, well, it's easy. Mm-hmm. He's a dude who shrinks real small. Yeah. And it's a heist. Got it. You could show me a 30-second trailer, and I know the movie I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, oh, he's a super powerful wizard. Got it. Spider-Man, we know who he is. Captain America. So so you're talking a movie called The Eternals. It's kind of a generic name, Yeah, frankly. Um, it doesn't have any pizzazz to it. So if it's just going to be like, hey, look, space movie with super powerful people in space and it's just called The Eternals, you're going to need something to get me into it. Mm-hmm. So you had better include a couple of Marvel characters that I know mm-hmm. or it had better be something profoundly good. Like it's, you know, and you're I, maybe it's just me. You're talking about to the guy who made Ninjas versus Zombies. You know, I said, hey, you need to be able to know in the title the movie that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the movie I'm getting with at all. Yeah. And and why I should go 
see it. Like, for instance, Alita Battle Angel came out, mm-hmm. the movie. It looks great. It looks really good. Um, and I know some people like it, some people don't, but it looks great. But I didn't go see it mm-hmm. because it's about a robot girl with big eyes. And I don't know much more about it. And it, it, it's there's like, you know what this reminds me of is uh, the way theaters choose their seasons frequently. I think uh, to like Signature Theater here in D.C. Uh, for the longest time, I don't know if it's currently the case, but their model was about half of the shows that they chose were well known. Uh, they would always do a Sondheim every year. They would, uh, you know, they would pick shows that they knew people would come to see based on the fact that, oh, I recognize that show. The other half of the year was very new material, uh, or at the very least, very unheard of material, where they were saying, okay, this is obviously not going to sell as much as our Sondheim musical, but the people who are going to come to see this movie or this musical or this play, they're not coming because they recognize the play, they're coming because they recognize us and they know that we do good work. Uh, now, that that model is, it is a way of sustaining a good theatrical business. Um, it, it's, the, it's one of the best ways of finding that middle ground between being financially successful but wanting to actually create something new uh, as opposed to just, you know, putting out the the greatest hits like any theater could do nothing but Rodgers and Hammerstein and Andrew Lloyd Webber and have no problem filling the seats but what would that theater be doing besides just doing shows that other people had done before um so it's possible that something like the Eternals is Disney saying hey we literally have more money than we know what to do with right now let's so we've got our key flag post or flagpole uh movies that are going to rely on brand recognition and all of those things and we're going to use those to make our money. But then we're also going to try this other stuff. And who knows, one of them might take. Uh, I hope that you're right. I hope that you're right. Um, I would say that Marvel in that it does need to make money and it does need to do well because it takes two it takes two failures for people to go up, oh, plumes off the rose now, Marvel. Mm. It's just how the new cycle works. And if it's not going to be really well known, it's, you got to have a great hook mm-hmm. to, to, to get people interested, you know, and Captain Marvel energized, you know, women, the Black Panther energized the black community, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy played a lot on, on nostalgia and music and soundtrack mm-hmm. to kind of pull you in and going, Hey, Marvel's something different. Um, and even movies like Thor Ragnarok said, okay, you know, Thor, maybe you didn't like Thor all that much, mm-hmm. but Everyone's going to talk about, holy crap, did you see what they did to Thor? Yeah. Um, Like, you see, it's funny now. Um, So... Again, I don't want to prejudge, but I have concerns. Okay. So my pre- so my prediction, the last thing I'll say about the Eternals, my prediction is either it is going to be a phenomenal success or a phenomenal failure, and probably very little in between. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Can I say after the failure of Iron Fist, which was a remarkable failure, mm-hmm. given that this is movie is based on a comic book called The Master of Kung Fu, Marvel doing a Marvel Kung Fu movie, the way they can make Captain America look like he can fight, if you get a real good Kung Fu guy in and you're doing like you know you're going hey you know what we're going to blow you away because marvel wants to blow you away with what they can do mm-hmm. if the hook of this is is way do you see the kung fu crap that we are going to pull off now yeah, right um when i talk movie the hook nobody knows who shang chi is and if you don't read the, the hook com- it, the hook is kung fu 
Yeah, if you if you don't if, if you don't know uh Mar- Marvel comics, you don't know who the Mandarin is except that he was the the terrible character from mm-hmm. Iron Man 3. Like and and you to associate that to 10 Rings is even that's, that's mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 was like 8 years ago. Yeah. So this is this I want to see this. Yeah, this is a this is the you know, your hook here is the genre. Yeah. Um because I will say the <laughs> The reason why the Iron Fist TV series was such a colossal failure is because Iron Fist is known as sort of like he's the master of Kung Fu. And there was no Kung Fu in Iron Fist, or it was very minimal. Like, there was a whole lot of story elements, and I was like, really? I'm just here for the martial arts, thank you. Uh, and if there's character if there's character along with the martial arts, super. Uh, it's why I love the Kung Fu Panda series so much. Uh, but, you know, that film is going to hinge completely on how much awesome martial arts there is in it. If yeah. it is Marvel's way of saying, hey, this is our version of the Matrix, then I am there exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, WandaVision, um, really interesting. I love Vision. I Vision was a really interesting character and I love Scarlet Witch. Um, my hope is that it is not also, not even a prequel, an interquel, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be, and here's what they were up to in Eastern Europe yeah. prior than, like, I don't kill characters and then give me the story of what they were doing before they died. Yeah. Um, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not ready for that. But if it's somehow moving forward, if it's somehow her getting her mojo back, let me introduce, uh, before I let you talk about these th- that, let me also let you know, you can talk about them together. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness um, is going to heavily feature the Scarlet Witch. That makes all the sense in the world. And it's going to come out immediately after WandaVision. Well, the Scarlet Witch is a really interesting character in the comics because she has floated from uh, from hero to villain to she hero started to as villain. villain. She, yeah, she I started have, as villain. Yeah. I have X-Men number seven in my comic boxes over here from like 1960-something, mm-hmm. and she's in it as a bad guy Yeah, with Quicksilver. So, like, that's the thing. The Scarlet Witch is almost, she's in that category of sort of force of nature with the capability to reshape the world, but so mentally unstable that we don't quite know where she's going to go on any given day. Like, that's what the Scarlet Witch from the comics conjures in my mind. I mean, she was responsible for, like, the whole culmination of the House of M storyline in the comics was her saying, no more mutants, and pretty much no more mutants were created after that. Uh, So I'm curious to see how powerful they make her in the cinematic universe. You know, it's interesting to note that in Endgame, she was pretty much kicking Thanos' butt in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, she was suddenly, you're like, oh, crap, how is she she doing this? Like, the Hulk couldn't do this Mm -hmm. how is she doing this and she doesn't even seem to be trying that hard yeah uh so i think it'd be really really interesting and the idea like wandavision happens and she cracks open the multiverse and now dr strange like it's clearly the fact that that would be interesting if the if it's something where (laughs) what if uh dr strange in the multiverse is fixing whatever it is that she is fixing some break that she somehow caused well it's interesting to note that the original captain america came out like a month and a half before the first avengers Mm -hmm. so here we have a situation where the scarlet witch is featured heavily in this Doctor Strange movie mm-hmm. and literally it says WandaVision spring 2021 and Doctor Strange is May 7, 2021. Yeah, those two are certainly going to be linked. Yeah, this will literally be you'll watch her on TV and then you're going to watch her on the big stre- screen a month later mm-hmm. after not seeing her for a year. Oh, that's now. right. I'd forgotten that it, that one's the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense then. Um. Also, spring 2021 coming after Doctor Strange is going to be Loki. Mm-hmm. Um. That would be an interesting movie if Doctor Strange also has Loki. Yes. If it's the three of them, three of the most powerful magic users that you have mm-hmm. in the Marvel, like 
that you put them on the cover yeah of that you put them on the poster well, like the, the, not, the little threefold you do a doctor strange is out front and she's mm-hmm. on one side and loki's on the other yeah and you put that poster out billion billion yeah. dollars boom magic yeah because magic and wi- well magic and wizardry is really its own genre in and of itself uh but then you add in just the sheer uh the sheer fan favoriteness of loki uh i think that's going to be a big that's going to be a big if draw. they it, i'll bet I'll, I'll like i'm not gonna i wouldn't put a billion dollars down but i'll bet you 10 bucks loki factors into the doctor strange movie as well and that the selling point is it's the three of them mm-hmm. and that makes it it's a big marvel team up movie now so that sets it up for the loki story to come right after yeah that's possible this. um uh what if um, for those of you who don't know what it what is what if uh, what if is a series of comics that was they were kind of on again off again with it but what they would do is they would take certain key moments in the Marvel in the history of the Marvel Universe uh, or certain key characters and say hey what if this happened instead uh, in the original Infinity Gauntlet saga there is this key moment where the Silver Surfer flies and tries to steal the gauntlet from Thanos's hand and he misses one of the what ifs I think the first what if I read was what if the Silver surfer had actually gotten it uh i think they're there's like what if uncle ben had never been yeah killed? what if uncle ben, like it's yeah uh, so really it's just it, it's meant to be it's not so much fan service as it is basically taking all the questions that we've thought of and saying let's just explore this and tell some alternate story it, it's the fun to me it's the real fun of alternate storylines of saying hey let's see how this story would have gone differently but let's do it in a way that no way actually impacts the canon storyline that we're doing um moving forward we're going to uh disney plus hawkeye um as a show and uh and for, what are your thoughts on Hawkeye and how he's been used so far and Jeremy Renner in the role? Um I think they've they've done an admirable job with Hawkeye, uh certainly fleshing him out further than he was in the first Avengers. Uh that being said, Hawkeye has never been my favorite character. Jeremy Renner has never really grabbed me in it. Uh but even in the comics, Hawkeye was never my guy. So, yeah, I'm I'm lukewarm about it. Uh not cuz I don't think it's going to be good. I'm sure that there's lots of people for whom Hawkeye is their like their favorite character. Uh and I thought Jeremy Renner did a fine job with the role. I just never really connected. Um I thought that Age of Ultron really changed my feeling about Hawkeye. Um I love what they did with him in Endgame. I think that's really interesting. Um I I love Jeremy Renner in the role. Actually, I really like him, mm-hmm. especially Ultron forward. Like he's he just seems like a grounded dude. He just seems like a guy. And then when I found out that he also has a house, mm-hmm. my favorite Hawkeye moment is when they're on the island, the island's in the air, and he goes, he goes, he goes, we're in an island fighting an army of, of robots, and I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes any None sense. None of this makes any sense. Like, I love that. I love that guy. Um, I love his opening in Endgame where his family disappears, and I mm-hmm. love the dark place uh, to which he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to look while we were talking on my phone. There is... A uh, a significance to that logo. That logo that is for the series um, is also the logo for a limited series that he did that was important. Oh, and he's had he's taken normal I... things. My my question is: in the absence of the Black Widow movie, in the absence of the Falcon and Winter Soldier movie, I would be the most excited for this. Like, hold, it's one of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Here he is, but he's coming on the tail end of of two spy things. It's yeah, it's all the same genre. Yeah. Um. Now, if it's not that, that's super interesting. If it's you know, he goes 
goes to you know tibet and learns you know or he don't goes to you know he mm-hmm. goes to space or he does like something happens to him that fundamentally changes who he is and where he goes i don't want a prequel mm-hmm. and i kind of don't want hawkeyes out there doing spy crap you mm-hmm. know because then what is he he is jason Bourne, who happens to have a bow and arrow yeah so what they'll do is he'll jason Bourne him the whole time and then at the end of the show he'll pull out the bow and arrow and do a cool bow and arrow, bow and arrow crap mm-hmm. you know if he's gonna be hawkeye let him be hawkeye yeah and make him something you know in the comics i think hawkeye is hearing impaired which could be really interesting to mm-hmm. have something like to, to bring that forward to him yeah and make that like i think he's a character that needs to be mined and i think it could be good but i think so there's enough backstory there but if they just go oh that's a cheap way we make get jeremy renner and make it cheap you know what Marvel you said so something like falcon there are certain films and stories that are yes they're about the character but they're also about the world captain america winter soldier was not just about cap it was about the whole situation with shield and everything in it um the falcon and winter soldier to me very much strike we're talking about that that's going to be not just about falcon and winter soldier but also about the future of shield all of these things hawkeye if i'm going to enjoy it i think it's got to be about hawkeye yeah and not just plot driven yeah and there's a way to do it i mean there's you know i you can look at daredevil um and who knew that a show like like jessica jones or luke cage could be as good as they were mm-hmm. um yeah real character studies but i mean if you made a serious version of i'm an avenger but i'm the least powered what's my point mm-hmm. you know i have a family how do i balance that how do i you know balance my responsibility on both sides yeah you know, i think there's a way to do that but it needs to have a hook for me mm-hmm. i must have a hook to say i mean first of all i'm lying i'm gonna watch all this. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no chance you that, make a podcast about superhero films yeah. you're watching all yeah, of these. yeah we have to talk about it all right um last one uh the one we started with thor love and thunder so on board for this yes uh, uh taiki coming back yes there's that um i also i'm really keen to see how much of the comic book storyline they keep into this the because the comic book oh man what they do with jane foster in the comic series is fantastic uh the main problem for her uh that they set up early on is uh, so basically the way that we achieved that we got lady thor uh was in the comics there is a moment an event that happens in which thor suddenly loses his worthiness he is you know because uh the words on mjolnir say that uh whosoever takes up this hammer if they be worthy shall possess the power of thor and thor loses his worthiness and can't lift his hammer anymore uh and so he goes off and sort of does his own thing um but then a character comes along and suddenly we start seeing this female thor uh, you know who people are calling the imposter and all that and they don't know who it is uh until i think at the end of the first comic it's revealed that it's jane foster uh but at the end of the comic she says you know i am thor and it's killing me and it quite literally is her whole situation is that jane foster has cancer and so she is going to chemo uh in order to cure it however every time she picks up mjolnir and becomes thor it uh it takes care or like it flushes all of the toxins like say chemo out of her body and so she knows that every time she picks up the hammer she is very potentially shortening her own life but she does it anyway because the world needs a Thor because there's things going so it's a it is a phenomenal character study of Jane Foster. Uh, and so I am very very excited to see uh, how much of the storyline they'll keep. 
Am, is it okay for, okay for me to totally disagree with you and say I hope they don't do any of that? Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, I love the moment in Endgame that that Thor finds that he's still worthy mm-hmm. to hold Mjolnir. I I don't necessarily want him to lose that. Mm-hmm. Like it was meaningful to me that despite yeah, that, his depression, uh, that, uh, I mean, I think that aspect of Thor they've sort they've taken him on that arc already. And yeah, the, I guess I'm more thinking of uh, with Jane Foster. And again, I don't know if I need the Thor cancer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what Ragnarok was, and I would love more of that mm-hmm. and especially after that's true with the same since they're getting the same director it's probably going to lean much more into that and after everything we just talked about it after all the things black widow and hawkeye and there's a, there's a seriousness you want some you want something that's fun i need a palate cleanser yeah. at the end of thor is that's valid I, I i really would like that um i love that she's coming back i felt mm-hmm. like one of the the two scars on the marvel universe are in my opinion um edward norton was the hulk mm-hmm. and then he wasn't yeah. And it, that's in universe that that movie is part of the MCU. Yeah. But is it? But is it? Like it's it's still you still got like William Hurt in from that playing General Ross. In, oh yeah, in Endgame, right. same actor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in the universe, but it's different. The other one, of course, is that everybody has the meta knowledge that that Natalie Portman didn't want to do it anymore. That she was she didn't enjoy her time shooting Thor one and two, mm-hmm. and she quit. She quit Marvel, mm-hmm. and because she quit Marvel, they do. Oh, we broke up. Oh, she's not here. Oh, you know, in the, in the first mm-hmm. Avengers, we took Jane and we put her somewhere. Yeah, and then in the second one, you know that. The, the, oh we broke up and that's just mm-hmm. like you just kind of had the meta knowledge of she's not here because the actress doesn't want to be here yeah fixing that i that love would be cool yeah. i love that another strong female presence her getting her chance to be a stronger female presence mm-hmm. i love yeah those are things that i that i really dig i if you'll forgive me for saying i don't want it to be that thor loses what he cares about so much and jane foster has cancer I'm just I no, that's valid. Like I, I want it to be fun, and I want her to have fun in it. I don't want it to be ah, we finally got female Thor. Let's mm-hmm. darken it up now and make it sort of no. Let's mm-hmm. let her have fun. I guess that's the th- that's true. the The fact is the Thor that we now because pretty much when we picture Thor in our minds now, we are picturing Thor Ragnarok. Thor, we are not uh, for as for as much as I enjoyed the first one. You know, where Kenneth Branagh was, and Kenneth Branagh was a great choice for a director for that because he wanted to make a true fantasy epic, uh, and. Thor 2 happened and but that's not who we think of Thor as anymore we think of Thor as kind of a bit of the wise cracky uh, you know shorter haired guy that we kind of met in Ragnarok Uh, so in the comics that is not Thor Thor is still much more the old school Norse god dealing with some you know, dealing with drama uh, on a truly godlike level. Uh, so it's worth noting that, especially in Infinity War, you let him deal with drama on a godlike level. Like there was almost no Thor. Co- there was some, mm-hmm. you know, Thor being clueless, Thor being Spock in Star Trek Four mm-hmm. has been there since Thor One. Yeah, but in Infinity Wars in particular, you know, he was just dealing with the death of Loki. He was crying. It was like he got mm-hmm. he was serious in that again. Yeah. Um. In Endgame, they took that seriousness and added a, a added, level added. A layer of of uncomfortably real humor mm-hmm. um there's so much me in that thor <laughs> yeah uh the more i see that the more i love it's i i love it and i mm-hmm. love its portrayal of depression actually oh yeah that's valid um it was i mean 
Like, that's a good point, actually, because Endgame, the, you know, certainly conversations about Thor in Endgame uh, frequently revolve around whether the fat suit was a good idea or a bad idea, uh, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing for the character. But all of that aside, you are absolutely right. What we are seeing in that first moment where they go to his house is absolutely somebody who has been depressed for years and seeing the result of that and seeing it in a way that's lighthearted, but also seeing just the the desperation and or or rather desolation behind that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the interesting absence in this list of movies we just listed was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, mm-hmm. which is where Thor ends I, up. I'll be honest, actually, there's a lot of really interesting absences that because I would have predicted, uh, I mean, shoot, we talked about this in the end game. I said, okay, so phase four, their major characters are going to be Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man. Like, those are those big three. I was actually really excited because I was like, so like, so your flagship titles are going to be, you know, a woman and a black man. That's awesome. And Spider-Man, by and, the way. Which, yeah, and Spider-Man which, too, which is Which was the flagship of Marvel forever. Forever, And yeah. now it's not Iron Man and, anymore. It's, and got, yeah. so now what we've got is, yeah, so now they're just going in a completely different direction with that. They... They did this great job setting up, the, now that I'm realizing it, they did this great job setting up some really cool storylines that I'd love to see more of, and none of them are in this. Yeah, the on screen, the only familiar character, I mean, you get Doctor Strange, which was new, and Thor. Th- I, now, now, here's... I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I, I, I'm not doubting your information. I am shocked. There, the more I think about it, I'm just like, how does this studio not have a, Bla- uh, have a Black Panther 2 or a Captain Marvel 2 within the next four years? All right, so here's here's two things to consider. One, uh, while my information is correct, this is, you know, Kevin Feige did the presentation, mm-hmm. um, but uh, things have changed. There was supposed to be an Inhumans movie that there never was, and then mm-hmm. it was a TV show that failed. Mm-hmm. Um, things got added and taken away, and that happens. There, I've also heard a rumor that the reason Spider-Man was not announced as part of this phase is because it is not Marvel's to announce. Oh, so, that's Sony. Yeah. So Sony has to own the date. Sony has to own exactly what's happening with it. And mm-hmm. Sony has not nailed down a name for the movie. Sony is not prepared for what that's going to be. I mean, I'll be honest. That's also the one, as much as I like this current iteration of Spider-Man, that's also the major character I'd be least interested in because it's, oh, great. You added one more white guy to the lineup. Well, I mean, and I, inclusivity is important to me, but Spider-Man is is beloved to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm... You know, I'm hoping that that's the case. I think that uh, the other thing to note is you said four years. This is two years. This is the shortest phase of the Marvel movies. Okay. This goes through the end of 2021. So literally just the next two years. Mm -hmm. And then they're on to phase five, which I've heard is going to include the first movie of phase five. I've heard is going to be um, Blade Hmm. uh, with, uh, I can't ever see the guy's first name, Maharashi Ali, I think. Oh. He he was the bad guy from. uh, Interesting. He was in Green Book recently, Mm -hmm. but he was also the the bad guy from Luke Cage, which I guess takes Luke Cage out of Marvel continuity. Or, I mean, the thing is, I Never think really we're, we, we, we're willing to give gimmies for actors. Yeah. Um, I mean, hell. You know, Hall- to quote Don Cheadle, it's me. Deal with it. Hall- Halle Berry is, uh, not Halle Berry. Um, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, Alfred Woodard is both in Luke Cage and in Civil War mm-hmm. as two different characters. True. Um, in any case, uh, the lineup can change and it's only two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man in particular is the one they need to get out fast because they're supposed to be in high school. Yeah. And there were already Tom Highland. Tom Holland is already aged a little bit. Yeah. And he looks a bit older. Like you're going to be 902 when it mm-hmm. by next time. We're like, hi, <laughs> I am Spider-Boy. I am Spider-Boy. Um, 
So that is certainly something that... Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gee, Mr. Stark. <laughs> I, I wonder if I'm going to pass this exam. Um, I don't have anything as funny to say. No, no. I, th- I think we, we <laughs> yeah, plumbed was, that joke was, about as far as... That last go, yeah. one that I did was just like, oh, no. Like, even I felt it. I didn't, yeah, you... I, I didn't need your cold look. Mm-hmm. I had a cold look <laughs> on myself. <laughs> Um, this is huge news. We could, I mean, there, we could go forward. There's not a ton other DC news. Um, the Marvel news is huge. The Disney Plus news is huge. I love the idea of crisis happening. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exciting. There's a ton. I mean, there's a ton more comic book news. The the, the there's Blade. Uh, they have confirmed the X Men and Fantastic Four are going to start coming in. I think Fantastic Four is a huge is is a perfect. I think Fantastic Four fits perfectly in this universe. Mm-hmm. X Men. I'm a little. Hey, might we dare say with Fantastic Four and whether it will be good that fourth. T- Times the charm. Ah! Ah! Don't do Doctor Doom. That's what you do. You don't do Doctor Doctor Doom is the bad guy in Fantastic Four three. That's what you do. You do Fantastic Four. They've got their own Rogues Gallery. Do something else. It's one build thing, up to Doom. It's the one thing that the Spider Man movies have done well so far. Spider Man has now appeared in five movies. He's been in two Endgame, two Avengers movies, one Civil War, and two Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. They have only barely mentioned Norman Osborn. Yeah, you're right. Very smart about that. Mm-hmm. So bring in doom start mentioning him in fantastic four two really build barely him up. and then he shows up in three because that's doom is such a good character such a rich character one of the most compelling characters in the entire marvel rogues gallery uh and yeah the make him the bad guy for phase five i mean honestly like the, i'm trying to think okay who's the next thanos it doom yeah absolutely doom could yeah be the next thanos and then bring marvel it bring x-men in for phase six have something happen in phase five that like mm-hmm. that X-Men can be involved. Yeah. But yeah, you got to hold off there. Anyway, this is, it's all huge news. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for enduring, enduring, enjoying. I yeah. Our, uh, <laughs> Probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, our, our first in-person show in a super long time. Yeah, right. Uh, it's so cool to be able to do this. And I'm glad we did it this way and didn't just talk about a movie. You know, the nice thing about it is there's a whole lot, there's probably going to be a whole lot less in this podcast of one of us talking and then the other one talking and then the other one saying, oh, no, no, you go ahead. Yeah. that, that We don't have the delay yeah. happening on the phone. I want to, quick programming note. I, we had said that we're going to do Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm springing this on you now. <laughs> this uh, is the, 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 there is nothing new about you springing yes, on me. Yes, right on, at the end. On the air, you're saying, hey, why don't we do this next time around? And except you ask it for me when we're on the air. So I'm like, sure. Yes. And don't Justin, of course we're going to do that. I am going to say that we are not going to be doing those next because far from home is still in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either one of us are going to be able to watch homecoming, then go back to theaters to see far from home again in Fair order point. to do the, in order to do the show. And I want to watch far from home fresh mm-hmm. before we do it again. So uh, I don't know what our next show is going to be. We are going to be delaying the Spider-Man shows for a little bit mm-hmm. and moving into another thing, which we will tell you about. You'll see in the next episode because uh, there is so much so much to talk about. There are of all the things we've done and we've been doing this for it's weird to say we've been doing this for a year and a half now. Yeah, um, right. And we barely scratched the surface of the, we barely of Superman. We haven't even done half. You know the what we could movies. you know what we could do. What could we do? Arthur? Rather than leave because I mean, rather than leave our deep dive into Batman. Uh, rather than leave it after Batman and Robin, what if we took, because we've teased the idea of doing one of the uh, the an- the DC animated films, is that like we could, you know, do Mask of the Phantasm or something like just that. To, just to to leave it like... Because like, we, we can't leave, because we can't do Batman Begins because so fu- without doing yeah. the whole trilogy. It's so funny because the... 
you guys have been commenting more that is, it's, on the Batman and Robin. There's and, actually there's a decent amount of love for Batman and Robin out there. Oh, I was going to say there's a whole hell of a lot of fate of hate though. Well, too. oh yeah, don't on that is Facebook a polarizing post, film. So here's the thing: when I release, you know, we release on on Facebook one of our movies that that we've reviewed. Let's say we talked about Batman Forever, mm-hmm. maybe one or two comments on mm-hmm. the Facebook. There are so many. If you go on our Facebook page, where it just goes sucks. <laughs> yeah, we died. One not word. Like, one just, word. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. People like, are- it's like somebody needed to. So it's like, and these are these aren't friends of ours. Frequently, yeah. these are these are just listeners who happen to find our podcast, which is great. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Yay! But the fact that I love the fact that it's like your hatred for this film was so much that you just needed to take even the 15 seconds. To just comment on that fact. It's worth noting that if them hating that film that much, I will assume they haven't watched it since they first saw it, mm-hmm. which means they're still angry 20 years later yeah. about a film they saw. Well, I, I mean, and I said this before, I think Batman and Robin is the, it's the nickelback of superhero films in the sense that no, it's not good, but half of the hatred is because it's cool to hate it. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably true, but it's also very bad, but it's also a very, it's bad also film. very bad. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's be very clear. Okay. About let's that. do it. I, I will sign on for one more bat adventure one more bat venture we will go to do batman mask of the phantasm as uh as our next film on totally super and then we will explore something brand new and fun or probably old and also fun and also fun uh, but for now in person my name is justin and my name is arthur and hey there true believers Let's say it together well say super oh that was lame Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Endlight Entertainment. 